Milk minute, milk minute, milk minute, yeah. This is Maureen Farrell and Heather O'Neill, and this is the Milk Minute. We're midwives and lactation professionals, bringing you the most up-to-date evidence for all things lactation, so you can feel more confident about feeding your baby, body positivity, relationships, and mental health. Plus, we laugh a little or a lot along the way. So join us for another episode. Thank you all so much for being with me today. I am just over the moon excited to share this interview with you. Maureen couldn't make it today because I insisted on doing it quickly so we could get it out there for you. But I have had the pleasure of interviewing Miss Grania Evans. She is an Irish poet, mom of four, and volunteer with La Leche League Ireland, who has agreed to come and share her completely viral poem called They Say with us. And someone had shared this poem during World Breastfeeding Week in my private breastfeeding group called Breastfeeding for Busy Moms. And I heard that and I almost cried and I knew that there was a story behind this piece of art. I knew that this was not just something you wrote out of nowhere. And I am so blessed that Grania actually agreed to share her personal story behind all of her works of writing. And um, we all are very lucky to be able to hear her speak today. So thank you so much for being with us. And without further ado, let's welcome Grania Evans. Miss Grania Evans, thank you so much for joining me today to talk on the Breast Friends podcast about your recent poem. I don't know if it actually is recent, but it went viral recently for World Breastfeeding Week and was viewed I think 165,000 times in one week. Is that right? It is right. It's crazy. (laughs) So first of all, I just want you to please tell us who you are and where you came from and how in the world you came to write this poem. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, I love your podcast, so this is really exciting for me. Um, So I am a mom of four. I've got four kids. Um, I've been I've been a breastfeeding counselor with La Leche League for um, a couple of years now, but I've been really involved in breastfeeding support for many more years than that. And um, really, since uh, my second baby was born, and it was around that time as well, I started to write little rhymes about breastfeeding, little poems, and I I was putting them on a blog. And I don't write very often, but every now and then something will come to me and. I mean, I don't really, there's, they're nothing new, but they rhyme, so people, people like them. And uh, yeah, recently, I, uh, it wasn't a couple of weeks ago, I was writing this one about all the things that we hear just constantly, constantly being told to us. And, and you know, like I'm well into my breastfeeding journey now. I've been breastfeeding for nearly 11 years straight, but I support lots of, you know, new mums. So the stuff that they hear is really affecting them and you know people still get very upset about all the stuff that gets told constantly so it was kind of just kind of rattling around my head and I thought I'd write a little poem about it. So did you just sit down and like spit this poem out? Yeah that's kind of how they happen yeah (laughs) when they once they come to me they just kind of um, form themselves really and I I had kind of shown um, some breastfeeding supporter friends of mine um, uh, the other admin in a group that we run called Breastfeeding in Northern Ireland and uh I showed them what I was kind of working on and they were like, oh, you got to record that one. I was like, oh, I don't know, you know, like, I don't really think I can do that. And so <laughs> I kind of made a promise to myself that 
for World Breastfeeding Week that I would actually get the courage up and I would record this poem. And so I managed it with one hour to go. That's how scared I was <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night on the last day. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And uh, it, yes, it has become very popular. So I'm kind of a bit shocked. Oh my gosh. I I am so glad that you wrote this poem. I mean, you've been a lactation counselor for a long time now, and I know that you know that breastfeeding is a global language. You know, that's why we can be internationally board certified because it's always the same. It doesn't matter what language you speak. And when I heard this poem and I knew that you were from Ireland, the first thing that I thought as a lactation counselor was, holy shit, they're having the same problems that we're having. You know, it's not only just the same language of breastfeeding, it's the same problems, it's the same judgment, it's the same bad advice. It's just globally exhausting. And I don't think that we have ever had a piece of art that so poignantly brought that to light. So thank you on behalf of everybody. I just, when I heard that poem, I immediately was like, I'm going to friend request her and I have to get her on this podcast. That point you made about it, about the things that are said to breastfeeding moms being global, that kind of hit me as well because I was really, first of all, really pleased that people liked the poem and that it was being shared everywhere, Australia, America, all over the world. Um, but then that, that actually did hit me. I was like, well, that means that they're hearing that too, because I kind of thought that, you know, oh, you know, people from right here, people in Ireland will, they'll get this because they'll all have heard this, you know? So actually realizing that, oh, shit, like everybody is hearing this, like on the other side of the world, they're hearing these same things because otherwise, why would this poem resonate with them? Why would they be sharing it all over there? So that's, that was kind of a bit of a shock to me, actually. Yeah. And, you know, also you're just getting the conversation going about Ireland in particular, which... I had never thought about what's going on in Ireland with breastfeeding and just one quick like five second Google search was pretty negative news. Like only 60% of people are leaving the hospital breastfeeding at all. Yeah, I think it's even, yeah. And that's, that's probably on on the high side. Um, So yeah, we have probably some of the lowest rates in the world, which um, is really devastating um, for us as counselors, because like, you know, we, we so desperately want to help everybody meet their goals, but we have a real problem here. Like we need a kind of entire societal shift and there's still rampant marketing of formula products here. Um, we still have major problems in hospitals with, um, kind of like training and, uh, and just the, the advice moms aren't getting consistent advice from even their healthcare professionals, uh, just the whole thing needs needs a massive shift. Um, so we, our rates are yeah on paper it's it's disastrous. So one of the things that we do see at the minute is that our if we can get mums to keep going, our rates at like six and twelve months are increasing. But we still have that massive, massive drop off. We have, you know, we have a fairly low initiation rate, like you said, and then the rate kind of plummets in the first week as well. So. We do, we do have a lot of work to do here. What's going on over there? It's not like, I mean, you're not the biggest country. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but a, a lot of Ireland is educated, right? It's like they're very well developed. Am I wrong in thinking that? Well, you know, like, like American right now? <laughs> demographically, you know, we shouldn't be in this situation, but um, 
I think, you know what, though, we actually produce a shockingly large amount of the world's formula. I think we maybe make, for a tiny island, I think we make 15% of the world's formula. So we have a massive dairy industry here. Wow. And I feel like um, it has been in, you know, the best interests of certain very large sectors of market to, to make sure that breastfeeding doesn't work out and a... Uh, and we're just we don't we don't fund enough breastfeeding support. Um, you know, like everything that I do is as a volunteer. You know, it's very difficult um, to get the money poured in that we need to shift this in the right direction. So, mm. yes, it is crazy though. That blows my mind. Um, we actually just did a big podcast that's not been released yet, but an episode on the history of formula. And how they came to be and like the dirty little secrets behind it. And I'm actually thinking about now adding in a little something about Ireland. I'm going to go research that and I'm going to stick that in there because that is fascinating. Right. And then, you know, and then to see that correlate with such a low, low breastfeeding rate, you know, you follow the money, basically, you know, these things kind of come down the bottom line and it's, it's really sad. I remember having my eyes opened by, um, you know, the book, The Politics of Breastfeeding, that kind of, that was a real shocker for me. I learned a lot about, you know, why things are the way they are. Oh, the woman's body has always been just like an enigma. Like, how can we um, make money off of it? How can we control it? How can, you know, it's like, why is all of this highly politicized? I'm just very confused. I know. And, you know, like Ireland, actually, like because we were like such a religious country for a long time and in some ways still are, like we have an awful lot of that kind of very patriarchal, controlling, almost prudish side as well. So a lot of our mums are terrified to breastfeed in public because they're going to be seen as Mm. indecent or, you know, like being told to cover up and things like that. So we've got that against us as well, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things going on. So as a volunteer for La Leche League in Ireland, what does that look like? I know what it looks like in America, but tell me a little bit about what you're doing over there. Okay, so I'm going to go pre-pandemic because right now it doesn't look <laughs> doesn't look the same. But before all the crazy coronavirus um, stuff hit, we, we run um, uh, monthly meetings. In fact, um, I was doing a meeting in the town here that I'm from uh, twice a month. So like that was... Uh, uh, you know, a free meeting for moms to come to, to get proper support. We do telephone calls, we do, um, you know, messaging support for moms. Um, and right now, because of Corona, that's all moved online. So uh, we're actually doing some like uh, live talks um, every week. And we have Zoom meetings, um, which which are great. I mean, it's better than nothing. But it's, you know, I, I desperately miss our group and being able to be there face to face with a mom and, and, and really kind of, you know, help her through her issues. It's, it's very difficult um, to do that online. It's actually becoming a little bit of an art form that I'm trying to figure out how to perfect. I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've taken all of my consulting online. So, you know, parents, lactating parents can sign up for a private consult with me. And I was actually surprised by how many people I could fix virtually. Wow. Yeah. 
But I mean, there are some things that are very frustrating, you know, so it's very helpful to have a partner with them. So I've started asking people to have a support person with them during the call. So somebody can hold the phone and, you know, I'm always like giving people jobs, go get the haka. I need a little cup. I need a spoon. <laughs> go get the, get a mirror so I can see what's going on. <laughs> I need better lighting. <laughs> so yeah. like the, the, the lactating parent is sitting there trying to adjust and do what I say while the other one is running around doing all the jobs that I'm telling them to do. But it takes so much more um, cueing and it takes so much more time, I think, yeah. just like positioning yeah. everything correctly. But it is possible. I've heard the same from, um, so a friend of mine uh, is a lactation consultant and her one-to-ones over Zoom, she says she's been really surprised as well um, because she actually asks for a mom to send in a video ahead of time. She can use that video to kind of pause and point out if, you know, here, if you can, you know, change position. And so she's found great success with that as well. I suppose I just really miss our, you know, the groups with, you know, with that kind of feeling when you're like in a room with um, with a group of breastfeeding mums and like the oxytocin is flowing and you <laughs> had, like, you know, had maybe kind of cathartic little cry about something and people are kind of really just like bonding and like feeling that solidarity. I desperately hope that we can get back to that again because that was my my favorite part. Oh my gosh. And, you know, bless you for doing that and just being able to sit with people in their own struggle because that's, don't you feel like that's half of our job is just telling people that they're okay? (laughs) It's okay. And it's hard and I get it and I've been there and all of that stuff that, you know, that just listening, (laughs) you know, is a huge part. And the thing is, you know, they were there for me. Like I, I, I needed so much support in my own breastfeeding journeys that I've been the mom that needed to be listened to and uh, needed to cry and be held and, and, and needed all that support. So I just, I've always felt so strongly that I wanted to pay that forward and be that for someone else. Yeah, you had kind of briefly touched on a little bit of your breastfeeding journey and what made you so passionate about it. And I think you said your third baby had a tracheostomy? Yes, my daughter Tessa was born and she was born with an incredibly rare condition, now known as BAM syndrome. When she was born, it didn't even have a name. Uh, She was born without a nose, which I didn't even think was possible or know was possible. So where her nose should be was just flat. Um, So she only had one airway, essentially, which was a huge shock when she was born, made for some very difficult weeks. We spent uh, about five weeks in hospital where they gave her a tracheostomy as a second airway so that it would be more comfortable for her and safer for her to to eat and sleep. But yeah, breast getting that baby to breastfeed, like that was, I mean, I I thought that was impossible when, when, when I had her and, and I was still feeding her two-year-old sister at the time. So to be faced with a baby that I thought I would never be able to breastfeed was just breaking my heart. And so when she had her tracheostomy, they actually said, you know, maybe, maybe she will be able to, but the support in hospital was real patchy. And, you know, I was in, the NICU um so there weren't like there wasn't exactly a space to relax and just be with her mm-hmm. it was all very much you know she had to be in her cotton they were chip feeding her every three hours and there was you know it was all just very medically managed it was so so difficult but when we got home um I worked with uh a good friend of mine who was a Lelechi League leader and uh, we got her exclusively breastfeeding by eight weeks old 
And she went on to, I mean, she didn't wean until she was, I think, five years and 10 months. Like, oh my gosh, what a story. Truly. I mean, can you imagine if she was your first baby? I have always been so grateful that she was not my first baby because the two kids that came before her taught me so, so much. And because I was still feeding Cassie, I knew how wonderful breastfeeding could be. Mm -hmm. I knew what I would be giving up if I decided not to just give it everything and try everything that I could to to manage her. And it it worked. it, It was incredible. And the years and years that I was able to nurse her through surgeries, multiple surgeries, hospital stays, all of that, like what a gift it was. Like I, I'm still just in awe of, of how incredible an experience it was, but I needed so much support and I needed to, it not to have been my first baby so that I would, I knew that it was worth fighting for, like really fighting for. And it, it, it took a lot, you know, it took, I mean, all of those weeks where we were transitioning from tube feeds to bottle feeds to breastfeeds, I mean, all the crying, oh my goodness. But <laughs> everyone, just everyone crying. <laughs> everyone. Well, we, we got there, you know, we got there. And it, it did make me, um, it taught me so much, right? Because everything that I knew up to that point, you know, like how to get a baby to latch, like how to help, like laid back positions, reflexes, all of this stuff, you know, tummy in and like, none of it worked when you have a baby whose airway is coming out here. You have to keep your breast away from this airway. Um, I couldn't even lie her flat on me. Uh, she was, you know, like after all the weeks of chip feeds, she wasn't really queuing, hunger queuing because she was on this you know, schedule. So we had to kind of like try and get her out of that. Uh, there was, Oh, there was. She wouldn't actually suck um, until she felt something on her palate. Like we almost had a kind of we, bait and switch was what we used mostly. I had to basically bounce her in my arms while walking, um, use a kind of flipple technique, that kind of exaggerated latch, while also starting her off like on the bottle and switching to my breast when she um, was already sucking. But I mean, I needed six hands. <laughs> got there. We got there. Thank like, you. Was- and you have other kids to take care of. Yes. I mean, somebody else was doing most of that, to be perfectly honest, because those weeks, those first weeks with Tessa were so all consuming. So like my mom and my aunts, and they just rallied around and and helped me so much, you know, and it's just another example of these things are possible, but only with the right support, you know, like moms need so much support and we shouldn't be living these little nuclear lives. You know, we're supposed to be surrounded by family and our village and Well, you know, that's one of the things that I tell my pregnant patients because I'm a midwife also, but whenever I did see pregnant patients, I would say as much as you're preparing for labor and birth, you should be preparing for breastfeeding. And they're like, oh, it'll be fine. It's my third baby. And I'm always like, listen, you never know what's going to happen. You do not know what kind of labor and delivery you're going to have. And trying to troubleshoot when you're already exhausted and it's just like, right in your face, even like knowing who to call. And I always say there's a reason that the emergency number is 911. Well, that's what it is in America. It's only three numbers because in an emergency, no one's going to remember a 10 digit number. They're going to be like, "Ah," and then not call anyone, which is what happens all the time. So thank God you knew who to call and where to go. The universe was looking out for me because, you know, 
I, I knew what I was doing breastfeeding wise, or at least I knew kind of, you know, the basics. Um, I knew I had access to the best support we have in this country. And, and I, and I was able to get that family support at home. So, and she wasn't my first baby. So all of that needed to happen for that success story with Tessa to be what it was, you know, and it really was so important for us. Like that separation that we had in the hospital was really traumatic and, being able to feed her really started to heal us both, you know, like it really kind of started to mend that really broken heart that I had. Um, by the time I came out, I was, you know, I was shattered into pieces, but, you know, being able to feed her, you know, so naturally and beautifully and have it all work out like that, that really, yeah, it, it heals my heart. Let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Happy Tummy. I am so glad that Happy Tummy has made this safe, natural alternative to gas drops and drugs that are just going to alter your baby's system. Happy Tummy is a sweet little wrap that goes right around your baby's body, and it provides a safe alternative to infant colic and just general fussiness as their guts are maturing. It smells wonderful, it applies a little bit of gentle pressure on your baby's tummy, and also, you can use it yourself. You got cramps? Throw Happy Tummy on your own belly. They make all kinds of products. So please go check out Happy Tummy and use the code BREASTFRIENDS10 to get 10% off your order. I couldn't recommend this enough. I do not recommend gas drops. And as a lactation consultant and a previous NICU nurse, I can honestly tell you this would have been a godsend for just those babies that are experiencing just those normal symptoms of growing, but they can be a little bit uncomfortable. Happy Tummy has the solution for you. So make sure you use the coupon code BREASTFRIENDS10 because our listeners get 10% off. Yeah, uh, that's so beautiful that you put it like that because I had a little bit of a traumatic first delivery And then it was like my second baby that came. It was completely different. And I did a lot of my healing the second time from the first time. Do you feel like when you had your fourth, you were able to heal even more from that? Well, I mean, hugely, because first of all, um, my first baby was a field induction that ended with an emergency section. My second was an elective section because they told me they couldn't let me go any longer. Mm-hmm. With Tess, I actually had everything, everything lined up. I had a doula. We had a water birth. It was perfect, except that she was born different and they took her away from me. So while the birth should have been this wonderful healing thing, and I, I was able to prove to myself that, you know, I could do it given the right opportunity. You know, there was so much trauma that came after it. It was really difficult. Um, I had my fourth baby at home in front of the fireplace and it was absolutely incredible. Zero separation. You know, he had his first feed within minutes. He never left me. And it was honestly one of the most healing experiences that I've ever or ever will have in my life. It couldn't have been more perfect. You know, we really did come full circle. And um, I'm so grateful to everybody that was there to make that happen as well. We had private midwives and my doula and you know, God, what a, what a morning it was. Actually, we, I've just been thinking about it a lot because it was his birthday on Tuesday. So oh, it was four years ago on Tuesday. Happy birthday to little man. That's so great, man. So what would you, what, give us some words of encouragement for those parents out there that had a medically fragile baby recently and they're 
obviously scared to death and they're probably thinking I'll never do this again. Um, the first thing is, is to be kind to yourself because, um, a lot of things go on in your head when those situations happen. And I kind of had to forgive myself for a lot of that because what, what happens is that you're, you kind of go into a grieving process. Mm -hmm. And I know that after Tessa was born, I, I felt a loss and I, the only, the only other time that I felt anything like it was um, when I had, um, when I miscarried, which I had two mis miscarriages before my first baby, and I really, I felt that again. And then, because I felt that, I felt guilty for feeling that, because I felt so off. I was like, my baby's here. Like I, I'm not. I shouldn't feel this way. This is making me a terrible person. And I really had to do an awful lot of like um, forgiveness and, and just being really kind to myself. Because the grief that you go through if you have a baby who is born different or has a medical issue, um, you kind of go through a grieving process, grieving the child that you thought you were going to have. Yeah. Grieving this kind of um, perfect or idyllic or whatever you had imagined for your future might be. That's, if that looks different now, you can have this grieving process. And it, that's okay. That's, that's normal. So be kind to yourself, first of all. And um, then you just need to find as much support as you can. And you have to know that time is going to make everything so much better. I promise you that. Um, I, I did write a little bit about, I've written about Tessa's uh, breastfeeding journey and I've written about her first year. And I remember at the end of that first year, you know, writing it all down and being like, I really wish that somebody could have just shown me how happy I was going to be a year later. Whenever I was that very, very broken person, time is going to really start healing you. Um, I loved the fact that breastfeeding and baby wearing became a huge part of um, how I healed. That was really important to me. I felt like the separation that happened in hospital did really cause kind of huge scars for me emotionally. So breastfeeding was so important in that aspect, really helped my mental health. And baby wearing, um, keeping her close to me, because she had been taken away that 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 was really important as well so those two things became massive parts of my life and I really still passionately advocate for both of those oh my gosh you are such a blessing to people I, and you might not even know it but you really truly are I would love for you to publish this if you are open to publishing those private writings about that journey because I just know that so many people would would really really resonate with that and I've it's just very difficult for for me as a lactation consultant to to see somebody in that moment and try to tell them you can do this because in that moment they might not want to you know and but you can see down the road because you have a little bit more clarity and by you saying it having been there it's going to hold so much more weight yeah but yeah and you know what i I heard all those things from other people and I, I mean, I couldn't repeat what went on in my head when I heard those things right. because I was calling them names. Yeah. I was, I remember somebody like, and this was a really, they were being so kind to me. And, and I remember they, they were talking about, you know, like um, about Tessa being born the way she was. And, and he was, he was saying, you know, Oh, you know, you don't know, but you know, she's so lucky because, you know, you're going to, you're going to be such a great help for other families who have babies like Tessa. And I didn't answer him. I was just holding back tears, but in my head, 
in my head, I was thinking, don't be so stupid. There are no other babies like Tessa, you know? Mm. Now, since then, um, I have found lots and lots of families with babies like Tessa, and I have set up the first of its kind Facebook support group for those families. And I have put in touch people from all over the world and been contacted and uh, and created a network for families with and, and so really like I did exactly what he said I was going to do but in that moment mm-hmm. I couldn't hear that in that moment I was so angry and and I suppose it's kind of just realizing that when a person is in that grief process they're not they're not going to be receptive to an awful lot of what anybody says because they simply have to process but you can still say it, but don't expect an answer and don't expect a good answer. But even just, just, you can still say it because it'll be in there somewhere. You know, his words are still in my head and I'm glad that he said them. But at the time I was honestly swearing at him in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like you were saying before, you were feeling guilty about, about going through the grieving process of losing the idyllic picture of what you thought would happen. And just to piggyback on that, I think a lot of people wait so long to get help because they are embarrassed about how they are feeling and the thoughts that are going through their head and like all the cuss words that they're saying about their lactation consultants. And let me just be the first one to tell you, I can take it, you know, like go ahead. You can yell at me and scream at me and I'm still going to be there for you if you need anything. Cause that's what we signed up for. And we've been there, you know, <laughs> I've had the bloody nipples and I've been, you know, the person that felt completely alone. So go through that process. And I always try to remind people, it doesn't matter how many days it's been since you've showered. It doesn't matter what kind of ugliness you feel like you have inside you, everyone is worthy of help. And if you need it, you need to go get it because we can't find you. Like uh, we can't, it, there's not like, unfortunately a call service that comes around. It's like, Hey, are you having postpartum depression today? <laughs> you know? So, so, so important. That's such an important message. And, and, it, and it is as moms, we are so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. so hard on ourselves, you know, like, I don't think we'd ever talk to anybody else the way that inner voice sometimes yells at us, you know, and that's exactly what, you know, exactly what you've described, you know, like, we need to just be able to advocate for ourselves and, and know that we are, we, we deserve the help, even if we don't feel it that day, because, you know, we haven't checked off whatever arbitrary checklist in our head, we think we need to, to deserve help, but we all do. And, you know, I, I, I have been that mom as well. I've been that angry, cross, you know, unshired, bleeding mom. <laughs> um, somebody was there for me. And yeah. Oh, well, you've already given us so much today. I mean, really, if I had to pull all the nuggets out of this and I could write a blog about 15 different things just from our little conversation we've had. But would you be willing to read your poem for us? For the people you want to hear what they say? Certainly. Absolutely. <laughs> Here it is. So this is the poem that's all about everything that we hear as breastfeeding mums that's not necessarily helpful. It's called They Say. They say it's rude to breastfeed when you're out and about. They say let them in bed and you'll not get them out. They say it's not safe. They need their own cot. They say your milk will dry up more likely than not. They say babies need to learn to sleep on their own. They say put them down because it's well known you'll be making a rod for your own back. They say your baby's sleep schedule's way off track. They say there's no need to be a martyr. They say if you spoil him, it'll be harder. They say formula now is just as good. Sure, soon he'll be ready for some real food. 
They say, surely he can't be hungry again. They say, if you don't stop nursing now, then when? They say, he's too old. and It's getting weird. You don't want to be breastfeeding when he has a beard. They ask, does she sleep and is she good? Does she have a routine? She really should. They ask, does she eat three meals a day? Does she fuss? Does she fall asleep, eat, play? They say your baby's too big. Your boobs are too small. You'll not make enough milk to fill her at all. They say it's colic. It's reflux. It's her teeth. It's her ears. Do this. Give her that. Here's a cure for her tears. Please. Enough is enough. We need to stop it. Call out the nonsense. Follow the prophet. Let's say the right things and ask the right questions. And if you're unsure, here's a few suggestions. Smile and tell mum that she's doing great. Remember, her choices aren't up for debate. Trust that she knows her own baby best. And co-sleeping mums actually get the most rest. Ask how mum's coping with frequent night feeding. Reassure her it's normal. Celebrate her succeeding. Don't judge if her toddler is still breastfeeding. Your opinion isn't something she's wanting or needing. Say you can't hold or cuddle them enough. Explain how it all passes, the good and the rough. Normalize growth spurts, development leaps. Agree you can't always sleep when baby sleeps. Ask how can I help? What can I do? Encourage and support her to see her plans through. Let her complain. Listen without trying to fix it. Make her a cup or bring her a biscuit. Spread word far and wide of normal baby behavior till it's commonly known by the world and its neighbor. End the damaging cycle of misinformation. Check out the evidence. God value lactation. Help empower all mothers. Your own business mind. And if ever in doubt, just remember, be kind. Hmm. Rania, that is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I would love to share this everywhere if you're comfortable with that. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> you you may share it. Already been well. everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> Wasn't that just the most amazing work of art about breastfeeding you have ever heard? I am so obsessed with Grania Evans. I can't even tell you. She has changed my life just by doing this interview with me. Truly. I mean, she had me crying at one point during this interview, and we ended up talking for like 30 minutes behind the scenes, which I will make available for all of our Patreon members, of course. But if you or somebody you know could benefit from hearing Grania's beautiful story, please share this episode, and you never know whose life you're going to change. It might be just the thing that somebody needs to get them through a difficult time. So, you know, I just, I hope that you get something out of this, because I did. And I just couldn't thank Grania enough for coming and talking to us. And I hope you feel the same. And of course, I will post in the show notes exactly how you can find Grania and all of her beautiful pieces of writing. Thank you so much for tuning in for another interview with the Breast Friends Podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Breast Friends Podcast. If you want to help our podcast grow, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. To support our mission of accessible lactation information, you can find us on Patreon and become our breast friend, a lactivist, or a dairy queen. Dairy queen, what? Each level of membership comes with its own personalized member rewards. Yeah, like behind-the-scenes video, um, personalized Q&As, merchandise. I might send you a mug or a t-shirt. Love the merch. This podcast was edited by Heather O'Neill with music by Bella Zucker. For questions, comments, or sponsorship opportunities, please email us at breastfriendspodcast at gmail.com.